Come on. So, had a friend of mine years ago, I played for the NFL, his name was Reggie White, and um, Reggie was uh, just fulfilled his contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a free agent, which meant he could go anywhere in the NFL. He's going to sign a multi-million dollar contract. And, and the whole football world was looking around saying, where's he going to sign? And, and, and as he was doing an interview with some reporters. He, he made a comment. He said, you know, I prayed and the Lord spoke to me, you know, to go to Green Bay, which was very unusual, smallest city in, in, in the National Football League. Uh, probably not the one you would particularly choose. You'd rather go to New York or L.A., a big city, a lot of media. But he said, the Lord spoke to me to go to Green Bay. And in, 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 um, the, the reporters are kind of looking at him like, the Lord spoke to you, you know. <laughs> and, and, and it was funny because he said the coach had heard an interview with Reggie saying that he's waiting on the Lord. He said, I'm waiting on the Lord telling me where to go. So the coach calls him on his voicemail and says, Reggie, this is God. He wants you in Green Bay. <laughs> you know, and the reporter looks at him kind of funny and he says, how come Reggie, he said, why is it when we talk about that God spoke to us, we're shocked, we're amazed. But if we talk about, hey, we're praying and we're talking to God, they call that prayer and that's okay. He said, why should we surprise that God would speak back to us? Isn't communication a two-way street? You know, I thought that was just such a, a great point in, in leading into this new year. We want to bring up our level of communication with God. We want to bring up our level of, of God not just speaking to him, but him speaking to us. And what I want to talk about today is how to obtain change. There's, there's seven steps to change. This message is something that literally transformed, saved my life at one of my darkest hours, one of the worst years of my life. And, and I heard this message and it gave me something to hold on to and say, listen, this is going to be the anchor for the next stage of my life. And it has been. And I want to share that with you as well. Um, One of the things, when we're talking about change, I want to talk about positive change, change leading to growth. Not all change is good, you know that. Okay, but when it's God initiated, then it's good. I had an ant one year, grew 10 inches in one year. But it was not in height, it was <laughs> circumvent. That was not good change. <laughs> so, as we, we face change, I want you to do an inventory of your character, of where you're at, what God wants to do in your life. And it takes courage to admit need, to face reality, to, to admit change, uh, make a decision, hold conviction. It takes courage to do that. So what we're going to be talking about is going to take courage in your life. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. In our growth with God, God's challenging us to always increase, always grow, and we're going to have to leave things behind. When God changes us, many times our relationships around us change. And those relationships are going to grow stronger as we get closer with the Lord, and we're going to step up, or else those relationships are going to get cut off. But in, 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 inevitably, the relationships around us will change. Now, most of the time, here we got a pastor. He's changing. There's things going. We're either going to have to come up with him or we're going to get left behind. But the goal is to say, hey, come on. Corporately, we're going to grow together. 
Corporately, we're going to increase together. That's the type of change we want. We want to become a victorious Christian, you've got to put away the childish things. Change is the only constant in growth. Get this. We can think about change, pray about change, promise to change our New Year's resolutions. Imagine what change is like. We can decide to change, but it is never change until it changes. Good. Come on, we're flunking kindergarten now. (laughs) Too many people give themselves credit for their intentions, but not their actions. We judge others for their actions, but we judge ourselves for our intentions. Well, I was intending to change. I was intending to go on that diet. I was intending to, everybody said amen. I was intending to pray more. I wanted to do more. I was intending to do more for God. But the bottom line is God says, hey, the time is now. Matter of fact, we saw a sign coming to church that said, the, 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 what does it say today is the day? What, Viviana, what, do you remember? It's in Spanish, so I don't translate perfectly yet. But <laughs> so I mean, it was just funny. But it was it was like today's the day for change. First John three eighteen says, "Dear children, do not let us merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth of our love for each other by our actions." It's not just the words; it's the actions. Seven steps for encountering change. This pattern holds true for a nation, a business, a team, a relationship, or an individual. These are the steps it takes for change. Change will either come by revelation from the top or revolution from the bottom, but change is coming. In our country, on the college campuses, that's one of my specialties, change is coming. We see all the social issues, and and, and it's a cry and a demand saying, we've got to change. People are fed up with status quo. I don't know if you knew it or not, but just last week, the House, the Congress voted, not that it happened, it was shot down overwhelmingly, but just the fact that it was brought up to a vote, there was a vote to amend the First Amendment, to repeal the First Amendment. What's the First Amendment? Anybody know? freedom of speech that's the very foundation of our country I love what one little reporter Megan Kelly says she calls the college campus kids those precious little cupcakes because they're so dainty and there's have to be we we've created an environment where the youth seemingly are self-gratifying they're 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 all consumed with self and and she calls them these little cupcakes because they're so delicate and tender but it's affecting freedom of speech because now on campuses they have safe zones. We don't want our little youth to be offended. You believe in God? Well, that offends me. I don't feel safe anymore. And some things, you know, like, like you, you got the N word, this and that. You, well, you have freedom of speech to say that. Not that it's right, not that it should be. But you don't call the police and have somebody arrested for being an idiot, for saying something. But our little cupcakes are so delicate and tender, they can't take contrary opinions. And that's going to affect our Christianity big time because already people are starting to file hate crimes when we preach the gospel. It's happening. Freedom of speech is a basic right. But see, our values are being undermined as a nation. Second, Second Amendment, right down the line. 
And people are like, how do we get here? It's very easy. You forget God, you forget God's laws. You get new gods, you get new laws. And that's where we're at today. We're getting new laws. We're getting a Christless void in our legal system. We're one of the only nations in the world that has kept the same constitution for over 200 years. A lot of nations are a lot older than us, but the constitutions change a million times. But we have intangible, perfect document in the constitution, probably the next perfect document next to the Bible, the constitution of the United States that has ensured liberty and freedom and where we've been off, it's been the correction bringing us back, is that constitution of the United States. And there's a war out that is saying, listen, because the document's been founded on biblical principles, have you done any study of American Christian history? Undeniable. Our forefathers, for all the faults and difficulties we may have had to go through, has a constitution based one nation under God. But we're losing that very quickly. And that's why it takes, either it's going to be a revelation from the head, or it's going to be a revolt from the bottom. And that's why it's so important to, to see that these Christian principles that we're standing for are put out into society and government. But it's true in our own lives as well, is, is in our lives, either, either we're going to have a revelation from the head, or it's going to be a revolution from the bottom. So I started my diet, and I started getting a new lifestyle change. It, it was at a point where it was either going to be a revelation from the head, or a revolution from the bottom. Pastor Chuck, we fought that physical battle in many areas. And, 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 and as you get that revelation, say, look, things got to change. Or else there's going to be natural consequences that are going to come. So God's challenging us to get ready for a change in our life. And the first step to change, I put down here step number one, is you got to change the atmosphere. You got to change your, 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 the atmosphere around you. The atmosphere is defined as uh, a gaseous envelope surrounding the earth. That's the technical scientific term. A gaseous envelope around the earth. In Genesis, was, yeah, I said that after dinner on Christmas Eve, right? No, that's horrible. <laughs> but you know what? That, that in Genesis effect, it said, it said the earth was formless and void. But the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the earth. The atmosphere was ripe for change. You can be sitting there today saying, my life seems formless and void. Nothing's going right. Nothing's ever, but you know what? The spirit of the Lord is hovering over your life and ready and ripe for change. But you got to set the atmosphere. If it's a new business or new product, a relationship, um, right down the line, you, 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 you want to set an atmosphere. I remember playing football at USC. We played the Oklahoma Sooners and we were number one, two ranked teams. Back then they had the AP and the UPI were the two systems. And we were in the UPI, I believe, ranked number one in the country. Oklahoma was AP number ranked one in the country. And we're meeting opening game of 1981. It was an incredible environment. We stunk up the field so bad, I think we fumbled five times in the first half. It was so bad, the atmosphere in the Coliseum got ugly as we were booed off the field by our own team. That's a horrible feeling when you're booed by your home team by 90,000 fans. It's even worse when the coach opens up the locker room door and says, come on in, ladies. 
But the atmosphere was horrible. But John Robinson gave a speech at halftime. I cannot quote it to you. You would turn red. So I'll save the speech. But needless to say, the speech that he gave inspired and unified the team to the point that we went back out on that field, we turned the game around, and with three seconds to go, ended up winning it and becoming number one ranked in the nation. It was amazing how it turned around. One speech. You think about your relationship with God. How do you go into your prayer time? Your devotionals on a daily basis. Do you just show up and just start praying and yapping your mouth and, and just, you know, kind of telling God what you need? Or is there an atmosphere around you that's inviting and welcoming the Lord into your life? I remember when Viviana, Viviana and I started dating, this Viviana in the back, wave Viviana, Viviana, hi. And, 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 you know, I wanted to create the atmosphere of our first date. Got all dressed up, got my car cleaned up, had a little scent, a little <laughs> cologne in the car. And I said, baby, we're going out to eat tonight. I said, you can order anything you want. And about 10 minutes later, we came through the drive-thru and said, welcome to McDonald's. I said, no, okay, dollar menu. Okay, no, I'm kidding. But you want to create the atmosphere. You want to create that to be welcoming and inviting. If we do that in natural relationships or a product, you see the products on, on TV, the, the commercials, they're creating an atmosphere. Why wouldn't we do that with the Lord? Why would we just show up uh, a hectic day and kind of tired and weary and just kind of giving God our, our last 10 minutes of the day before we fall asleep? Why not create an atmosphere to say, Lord, we welcome you into our lives. That's why the Lord encourages us at the first of the morning, right when you set your feet on the ground, to welcome him into your day. Let him be the Lord of your life. Create an atmosphere of saying, listen, I'm God inside minded. I'm not here for my own purposes. I'm here for God's purposes. What do you want me to do today? Lord, here I am. Speak to me. Uh, open atmosphere, praise and worship. It creates, last week was one of the most beautiful services we had in this church. But those carolers came in, not just singing Christmas music, but they brought an atmosphere of love and joy and peace and in the Christmas spirit. It was beautiful. We need to do that with God. So as we, we change our atmosphere, the next step we've got to do is, is change our message. So step two would be to change your message. As you got the right atmosphere, you need the right heart. Okay? Change your life, change your words. Change your message. You've got to see yourself. As Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, he's prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. In other words, a revelation. To know the hope of your calling, the blessings, the power, the favor. Paul prayed for mature Christians saying, I pray the eyes of your heart would get a bigger revelation. God wants to change you. You've got to see yourself differently. You've got to see yourself through God's eyes. Some people come through so much despair and discouragement. They're down and, and they can't see themselves as anything but just begging God or, or just, just survival Christianity. And God says, you need to see yourself as I see you. Prosperous, strong, victorious, healthy. As you see yourself, all of a sudden it says, Paul said, as a man believes, so he is. As I believe, so I spoke. Your words change. The message changes. You're not just in survival-based Christianity, 
but you're more than conquerors through Christ. And, and your message starts uh, enveloping over you uh, who God says you are, and you start believing who he says you are. I remember I shared with you a few months ago about the girl that, that she had come from uh, a product of a gang rape, and she had continuously led a life of promiscuity, but it wasn't until she saw that she was not an accident, that God can take something that was evil intentionally and turn it to good and say, listen, I have value, I have worth, I'm making you uh, a beautiful person from the inside. There was not an accident. Yeah, you may have been product of a gang rape where you don't even know who your daddy is, but God says, I opened the womb. I intended the message changed inside of her. And it gave her a new strength, a new purpose, a new direction where she was able to come out of the things in the past. You may be struggling with things in your life, difficulties, shortcomings, flaws, faults, things you want to make better and see no, no end in sight. But God says, hey, when my power, when the atmosphere, when the spirit of the Lord is hovering over you and you receive impregnated with the word of God, who God says you are, all of a sudden miracles happen. But you've got to have that new message that God's speaking of who you are in Christ. As we start getting that new message, we change the message, we get a fresh revelation. If you can change the image of, of how you see yourself, you can change your behavior. God gives you grace to change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That word new creature literally means a creature that's never existed before. It isn't like you evolved but it says it's an evolution in such an extent. It's like a new creation, a new creature that's never existed before. That's our hope. That's our power through Christ. We're new men, new women in Christ Jesus. And God's given us power to change. So we change the atmosphere. We change the message. The third stage is we change the presence around us. Your presence changes. Atmosphere is what's on the outside, but the inside, the presence is what's on the inside. Not only do you get an outward change, the atmosphere's there, but your image changes, the presence of God comes on you. There's a new charisma, there's a new authority. The presence of God comes upon you. The definition of presence is the state of being present. Your presence is requested. Um, it's being in the intimate uh, vicinity. Uh, the example would be like, like Moses, as the children of Israel led out into the promised land, they were like, unless your presence goes with us, we're not moving. At the lowest point of Jesus' ministry, where 5,000 left, Jesus said, I'm not lowering my standard for anybody. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. It's calling for total commitment. He turned to his own disciples and says, hey, y'all want to go too? Because I'm going to find me some people that want to live this way. And the presence of God was in Peter. And he said, where shall we go? You hold the words of eternal life. His words is the presence of God that comes into us. It changes us. And that all of a sudden we start realizing, hey, life has no value, no worth unless God's with us. Yeah. 
unless his presence goes with us, there's no reason to live. There's nothing lasting. There's nothing that'll be satisfying. No matter what you put down, cram down inside of yourself, thinking that that's going to make you happy. Nothing's going to happen to make you happy until you get the presence of God down inside of you. There's no timeouts. There's no vacation from God. Unless God's presence is with us on a daily basis, we're ruined. That's what Paul said. He said, hey, he said, everything that I've done and accomplished according to the world that the world calls great, it says I'm nothing but dung if God doesn't go with me. It says Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's his presence that gives you the ability and power to do anything. These first three things start a chain reaction where if you change the atmosphere, change your message, have the presence of God on you, these next four things just, boom, start falling into place. It's a natural byproduct. It's like the old phrase that says that when we want change, you go from desire to discipline to, to delight. First you desire change, then you bring the disciplines of change, and then you start delighting in the change. That's the process. When I first started that diet, I lost over 100 pounds. I thought I was going to die my first two weeks. People were begging me, please stop, you're killing yourself. But after I got in it, man, then I just started enjoying the fruit of the change. See, and, and that's the way it is. Whatever we do in life, it goes from desire to discipline to delight. Knowing God, having a disciplined prayer life, having a disciplined um, life walking in the principles and patterns of, of, of the gospel. Desire to discipline to delight. And as we start to have the presence of God surround us, we go from atmosphere, change of message, change of presence, we change circumstances. That would be the point number four, change circumstances. And then, this was really powerful. This happened just last week. Um, really touched my heart. Uh, you start seeing to be, before, before I talk about the change circumstance, the presence of God, Kelly had called me and said, listen, can you come to my kid's school and show up at Santa Claus? And the kids didn't know I was coming. And so they started singing a song about Santa. And then I walked out on stage. I mean, the kids about dropped their jaws and just about, they couldn't even sing after singing, there's Santa, you know. And, but it was so funny. The nurse walked in while I was sitting in the teacher's lounge just getting ready. And she goes, there's something about you. She goes, I know it's more than the Santa suit, but there's a presence of holiness when I'm around you. I was like, whoa. I said, well, you didn't know, I'm, I'm also a minister. She's like, that's it, you know, and just the, well, I said, that should be it for a Christian period. There should be a presence around us that says, man, there's something different about you. So the presence leads to changed circumstances. The fr fresh revelation leads to a changed attitude, which leads to changed circumstances. And, and I was struck by Proverbs 20, verse four, it says this, it says, a lazy person doesn't plow in the proper season. He looks for a harvest, but there is nothing. And it was the example of that, that we can't expect to harvest something and change circumstance if we're not making the right choices, sowing the right seed. And it talks about the lazy person doesn't sow in a proper season. And then he's shocked, like, oh, I don't have any food. Yeah, because you're an idiot. You didn't sow. You didn't, you didn't put that food down. You didn't work the ground and you're expecting a change. God says, forget it. 
And I start thinking about people that, 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 that talk about just like that lazy person, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like praying. I wonder how many people, given the sick factor, it's still for a minimal amount of people, I wonder how many people are not at church today just because they didn't feel like it. Too much football, too much food, too much fun, too much sugar, too much alcohol. I didn't feel like coming to church. We got to get past whether we feel like it or not. And we need to do it just because it's right. It may not be pleasant at the time. It may take sacrifice. It may be, be, be painful to an extent. But the fruit that we're going to see, the circumstances are going to change. There's nothing that's impossible. If you put the right seeds, have the presence of God down inside of you, stand on that fresh message of who God says you are, change is coming. Change of circumstances is guaranteed. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm going to, you put the seeds down, you walk with me, you're going to see change circumstances. Emotions follow actions. To change your emotions, change your actions. Everybody's waiting for the feeling. Well, I feel like giving. Well, I feel like praying. Well, I feel like going to church. Well, I feel like losing the weight. It says change your actions, your emotions will follow. I can't tell you how many times but that, that I go out on campuses and preach the gospel. I didn't feel like going out there and preaching the gospel. You think it's fun to be laughed and mocked and being be out there open air preaching and, and, and man, I've been slapped, hit, kicked, stuff thrown at me. People try to light me on fire. You really would have seen a man of fire for God. That was not fun. But I do it anyhow. People come and said, how did you get those people saved? Because I showed up. Because the disciplines of doing the right things is going to bear fruit. We've got to get past the feelings. As we change the circumstances, now we're here, we change the atmosphere, change the message, change the presence, change circumstances. As we start walking and change circumstances, step number five, we see change life. Bondages and generational curses are broken. A new life through a resurrected power of the Holy Spirit has begun. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. That's an important principle. The more you base your, your life on truth, the better shall be your way and the greater will be your life. That's what he was saying. He said, hey, baby, I'm it. Not Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna. He said, I'm it. He said, anybody else that comes to you any other way other than through the cross of Christ is a wolf and a thief. But he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. The more you base your life on the truth of the gospel, the better shall be your way and the greater shall be your life. As your changed life, guess what happens? It brings point number six, changed worship. The object of your affections change. There's people I was talking about just the other day that they cannot change their lives because they're willing not to give up the sin that's in their life. I had one guy come up. I said, listen, I want to challenge you. Every time you've touched the bottle, every time you dr drank alcohol, your life is ruined. Your marriage is ruined. Your children are ruined. You're falling apart. 
I want to challenge you for one year. Just give your life one year to God. Drop the alcohol for one year. Tommy, I can't do that. I said, well, how about six months? No. How about three months? No. How about a day? He kind of smirked. I said, you're not going to do it, are you? I said, you love your alcohol more than you love Jesus. Because he's unwilling to change. He's going to continually struggle and, and stumble, settling for a life less than what God has for him. But it's because he's unwilling to change. The object of his worship really is, is that beer bottle. What you think about most, what you crave, what you refuse to give up in the face of God's command to live holy and pure is the real God and idol of your life. It shows what you're worshiping. It talks about it. The Bible says where your, 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 your treasures are, there's also your heart. Where's your heart today? Where's your treasures? Because when we have a changed life and we see the presence of God, you're ruined for anything less. You can't be anywhere else on Sunday because you know what? Being in the presence of God is so much more fulfilling than a football game, than a party, than shopping. Okay, I'm coming close, but <laughs> easy. <laughs> but you know what? Where your heart, that reveals your treasure. What do you crave? What do you seek? But when you have a changed life, your worship changes. The objects of your affection change. The children of Israel, when they're at the Red Sea, this is the antithesis or the, the converse of godly worship. For 400 years, the children of Israel had a slave mentality. Can you imagine being brought up in a slave mentality? One of the first things God told the children of Israel, go ask for the golden jewelry. Do you know why? He wanted to change the children's mentality. Can you imagine after 400 years of being captive slaves, impoverished, having barely anything, the mom and dad coming in and say, hey, daughter, I'm going to place this new gold chain on your neck. I'm going to put this ornament around your neck to remind you who you are in Christ. God did that, not to just beef them up with materialism, but to change the image down inside of them to transcend them from a slave mentality to a child of God mentality. God wants to adorn you with his favor, with his blessings, with his honor, with his promotion. And once you've had the presence of God around you, you're ruined for anything else. So as you get a changed worship, at least step number seven, a changed destiny. Your life becomes fruitful. There's a harvest. I'm believing in this church, we're coming into a harvest season with the church. We've paid the price. How long have you been here? 11 years. It's a long time. Somebody say a long time. That's over a decade. That's a long time. But he's been faithful. Faithful in little, faithful in much. And I believe it's the season to reap. God's not a respecter of age. 
He hasn't come, Pastor Chuck has said, man, I want to give up a long time ago. Been doing this five years, seven years, ten years. And God says, hold on, you're about ready to reap. If you do not lose heart, Hebrews chapter 10, you're ready to reap. Change of destination. There's a price to pay. Would have been easy to give up and quit. But it's saying, hey, God, I'm believing the promises are true. You're not going to fail me. You're not going to forsake me. And, and, you know, what's the difference right now? Okay, you waited 10 years, 11 years. That's all going to be forgotten in the year of reaping. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Measy little 12 disciples. Everybody else left. But Jesus pressed on. He looked past the pain, the sacrifice. He looked to the presence of God and trusted in, in that God had a plan for him. And as a result, harvest time. So as we sit here today, we need to evaluate our lives and say, Lord, what do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? Evaluate your life. Is there a pleasant atmosphere that you have? Is God welcomed into your life? Or do you just fit them in when it's convenient for you? What's the message that you carry inside of you? What's your message? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Does the presence of God go with you? Can people tell that there's a difference with your life, with your joy, your peace, your patience, your happiness? People come up and say, there's something different about you. People come up and they see a difference in Pastor Chuck. That's why they're attracted to him at work. He sees miracles. He sees people saved every week. I mean, it's amazing. But they're drawn to the presence. Have you created that, that, that presence around you that leads to a changed circumstance? Are you willing to change your life? How about the objects of your worship? Have you taken inventory saying, God, cleanse me from anything that you want out of my life? Are you open? Where's your treasure today? And I guarantee you, God's going to bring you into a year of fruitfulness. We want to start out this 2016 with prayer, with fasting, with seeking the Lord. And as we do that, guess what? God's going to open up the windows of heaven. He's going to bring blessings. He's going to bring opportunities. He's going to take you where no man would boldly go before. He's going to take you to new heights that you've never believed. Just show up. Set God aside in your life every day. Set up a time that you're going to meet with God. Welcome his presence into your life. I love this. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. You sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. It all starts with a thought. Keeping your mind stayed on God. I'm going to read this last part to you, and it's not for you guys, but it's the perspective I want you to have that's going to establish your heart saying, God, I'm so glad I'm saved. Because I'm going to tell you what it means for a man to refuse Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what it means for a man to refuse change. 
When God's knocking on your door, you say, no, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to quit drinking. I'm not going to quit partying. I'm not going to quit living for myself. When we refuse Jesus Christ to give him access to being the Lord of our life, this is what it means. I want you to hold this as you go out and share with other people, as you talk to them, realize this is a critical time, that you're bringing the words of eternal life that can change them, that could save their souls. And if we really believe heaven's real, hell's real, we should be running in that kind of an expectancy saying, hey, it's critical I be a witness. It's critical that I have the presence of God on my life to testify to others. Because here's what it means to have broken glasses. No, here's what it means to refuse Christ. When a person refuses God, refuses to accept God's change, in essence, to refuse Christ, what that person has done when we refuse Christ is to call God a liar. And according to 1 John 5, 10, stating, all who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that, that the testimony is true. Those that don't believe the gospel are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe God has testified of his Son. So when you say, no, I refuse to change, you're saying, I don't believe the gospel. I don't believe it enough to live it. And you've made God out to be a liar. How do you feel when somebody says you're a liar? How do you think God feels? By our actions. We may not say it in our words, but our actions. We walk away from the principles and patterns and promises of God. We're making him to be a liar. I don't think he's too happy. Further, a person who refuses Christ robs heaven of their presence even though God wants them there, heaven's robbed of that person's presence. Furthermore, when a person refuses Christ, they rob the church of their contributions of life and influence. They also rob their community and family, which needs their moral and spiritual support. When we refuse Christ, you're robbing your family. You're robbing your sons, your daughters. You're robbing the community which in reality, to refuse Christ makes you a detriment in society. You can lend no spiritual influence. You're a detriment of society. You're an enemy of the cross. And that being refusing Christ, you'll continually lead down a declining spiral path into deeper, more repulsive sin. You'll be ruled and enslaved by demons that hate you, you'll be ruled by generational curses. Refusing Christ upon death, their eternal destiny will be set. And even after a million years, not even having come a penny closer to paying your debt to God. That's what it means for a man or a woman to refuse Jesus Christ. It's pretty significant, pretty scary. And we need to understand when we're talking to people, we need to stand to be a witness of the love in, in, in the life of Christ and challenge them saying, hey, this is the way walk ye in it. Here's the words of real, what you're doing is killing you. It's gonna, it says sin may be pleasurable for a season, but the end is death. Come follow us, come this way. These are the words, let, let the presence of God bear witness saying this is the way you need to go. Why are you so happy? Why is the joy in you? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let them catch what you got. Become contagious. That's what we're seeking to do in 2016, is to become contagious for God. It all starts by change. 
It starts with changing the atmosphere, changing your message, changing the presence, which leads to change of circumstance, change life, change worship, change destiny. It all starts by welcoming God's presence into your life. So let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the men and the women that are here, that out of this seed could come a harvest of revival. That Father, out of the, 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 the committed, we've seen what you've done with the, the committed 12. You've turned the world upside down. And we ask that in 2016, you would use us to be bearers of your light, your truth, your love. That we would go and in the presence of God would go with us. And that you would give us a revival in this town, in this city, in this state. We thank you for this in this time. And we ask that we take a personal inventory of the character in our life. If you're sitting there today and you're seeing areas of your life you want to change, remember, change is not change until you change. And if that's you, say, God, I'm welcoming you, creating an atmosphere where I'm going to give you first place in my life. I'm going to welcome your message. I'm going to die to myself and what I think and start believing what you say about me in my word. This is gonna be a year of my prosperity, my health, my healing, my favor, my promotion, my growth. Because you will never leave me, fail me, or forsake me. And as Pastor Chuck said, if you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. Father, we welcome your presence into our life. Give us the power in the ability, in the desire to change. In the name of Jesus, amen.